everybody. Today on the AIP podcast, we have Cloud Brigade. And Cloud Brigade is a strategic IT advisor and provider for small to large businesses, resulting in successful client partnerships, referrals, and the rapid expansion. They specialize in developing creative ideas and the capacity to discover and solve complicated challenges that others cannot. My guest, Chris Miller takes pleasure in being a technical co-founder with the experience spanning across software and hardware, which has led to a slew of bizarre ideas in competitions and hackathons, like an automated beer factory and an animatronic ventriloquist dummy, and his team even winning the cardboard boat race. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show. Tell us your backstory. When did you launch the business? And tell us what Cloud Brigade does. Sure. So uh, we were founded in 2005. Uh, I did a stint in Silicon Valley in uh, corporate IT, as well as managing an internet services and hosting provider. And uh, in 2005, started this consulting company uh, centered around uh, Linux and open source at the time. The uh, the cloud moniker had not uh, quite uh, come to pass at that point. Um, And we'll be 17 years old uh, this coming March. So... Um, yeah, we, uh, we've traditionally been involved in Linux and open source and obviously pivoted into the cloud. We're an AWS APN partner, uh, and we leaned into AI a few years back. Uh, at our core, we do um, technical solutions to business problems, and generally that involves some sort of software component. And we added AI to our repertoire because we felt, you know, as a software development company, if we didn't embrace AI, we would be left behind with the competition. That's amazing. But before we get into the more serious questions, we have to talk about the Poopinator. And that was followed by what's in my fridge. So tell us what inspired those ideas and uh, why did you create them? Did you sell those ideas? What do you, did you get out of it? Sure. Uh, so uh, early in our AI journey, uh, we were working with computer vision and uh, we had a project that we were doing some R&D on. And uh, I had uh, gone out late one night in the dark to uh, take my garbage cans out. And I ended up uh, stepping in dog poop <laughs> and I didn't realize it right away. And uh, when it occurred to me, I thought, you know, I wonder if we can take the same computer vision technology Uh, that we're using on this project, can we train it to identify a dog, but only when it's pooping? And that is where the Poopinator was born. And uh, so as I started talking to some colleagues about this, uh, one of our uh, kind of business associates got really animated and said, I need this. I am at war with my neighbor. His dog comes over and poops on my lawn all the time. And, you know, he doesn't think anything of it. So we staged this solution over at his house and uh, we designed it so that if a dog showed up on his lawn and was pooping, that we would send a message to an IoT device that was uh, wired into his sprinkler system. So it would kick the sprinklers on on his lawn and then shoo the dog away. And um, AWS caught wind of this and they, uh, much to my surprise, asked if they could uh, hire a video production company to uh, produce a professional video on this. And uh, it was uh, episode two of season one of a series called AWS Innovators. And uh, so that that was the uh, 
that was the idea and it sort of inspired this um, get visibility through absurdity in a way um, that if we came up with um, solutions to novel problems that had an underlying uh, general purpose, like a, a business benefit, that that might be part of our success. And uh, we've just continued to build products on, on top of this line of thinking. What's in my fridge? How did that story come about? Yeah, so uh, with What's in My Fridge uh, was actually a collaborative opportunity. Um, we were kicking around ideas to uh, help AWS out with their AIML blog. And so initially I collaborated with a fellow named uh, Konstantinos in Greece, and we were making a object detection model for a refrigerator. And uh, so we had experience with the Deep Lens product from AWS where we could do the computer vision at the edge. And uh, he had some experience with the cloud-based recognition service. And so we put together a, a rudimentary end-to-end uh, -end solution for uh, you know, opening the fridge, taking a snapshot, and seeing what might be inside of it. Uh, and so... Uh, AWS uh, approached us to do some extended video content on this. And of course, uh, Konstantinos had just had a baby. And uh, so I uh, took the lead and I suggested, you know, why don't we build this to the next level, like a practical use case for a refrigerator. And, and, you know, going back to our pre-COVID days, like everyone else, we were buying lots of the flavored soda water for the people in the office. And so I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we had a beverage inventory system inside the fridge that would tell us what our inventory levels were for each flavor and then send out notifications to let us know when we were running low on a particular flavor. And uh, so this uh, set us forth um, on, a, on a pretty significant journey. We, um, in order to generate the computer vision model, we needed lots and lots of pictures of cans of these beverages. And that's not so easy to do on, uh, you know, image search. Um, and so uh, it wasn't practical for us to take a bunch of pictures and then manually label them because that was going to be expensive. Um, so we actually uh, came up with a method of uh, synthetically generating images of beverage cans. And uh, by playing some tricks with uh, panoramic uh, camera vision with a phone, we were able to uh, create a, uh, a label for a can that we could wrap around a 3D model of a can. And then we were able to position a camera and the light within a 3D space to synthetically generate uh, these images and create that data set. And uh, so the, uh, the woman who uh, founded the, uh, the recognition service, uh, her name's Anushri, uh, I did an interview with her around the, how we use the recognition service to build a computer model using these synthetically generated images, and then tied that into a pipeline using the AWS DeepLens we had already rigged up to uh, take pictures from our fridge. So super cool project. We learned a lot. It uh, built a lot of internal capability for us as a company to be able to build solutions around that. And we've begun courting customers uh, to implement solutions based around this technology. It sounds amazing. Thank you. Tell us more about your Deep Racer meetup group. Um, you won the AWS uh, 2019 uh, Deep Racer Summit. Tell us more about that whole journey. 
Sure. So um, as I mentioned, you know, we were looking to get into AI to amend our software development skills and uh, went in search of knowledge as the CEO of our company and uh, attended the AWS Summit in Santa Clara in 2019 and uh, went to a variety of sessions on machine learning, but they weren't asking, you know, the one question that was important to me is, how does all of this work? And uh, at the end of the day, I got into a session on DeepRacer, which if, for those who don't know, it's a 118th scale RC car where uh, AWS replaced the radio controls with an Intel uh, computer vision solution. And uh, so in this workshop, we learned about reinforcement learning and about DeepRacer. And so I went about to uh, coding up a model and training it in a, in a virtual simulator. And uh, my model is actually doing uh, quite well. I, I, I do credit uh, my previous life. I was a mechanic for a number of years. And so I think that helped me choose some of the winning settings in the model. Uh, and so they had a, a real racetrack out on the expo floor at the summit, and they gave us all thumb drives. And so we downloaded our models to USB sticks, and we stood in line. And in the last hour of the day, uh, much to my surprise, I ended up uh, winning with the fastest time of the day. And uh, I didn't really know about the Deep Racer competition or what they were doing at the summit. So I was surprised when immediately I had a, a camera and a microphone in my face. There was a sportscaster announcer who was interviewing me. Uh, about 45 minutes later, I was standing on a three-tier podium with two other winners. So we got first place and and uh, all of us won trips to uh, to Las Vegas to reinvent in 2019. And that was the thing that just really kicked us into high gear uh, with our machine learning journey. Uh, and since then, we've hired data science staff and uh, we have built out a strategy around executing not only computer vision solutions, but other types of AI solutions as well. Absolutely. You know, um, we at Supercharged that we deal with artificial intelligence and machine learning as well. And the biggest thing when scoping out customer needs is that, you know, data is always the, um, you know, uh, difficult part of things. You, you deal with disparate sources of data, disparate structures of data. Um, from people with Google Sheets to actual sheets of paper um, from decades ago. And we found that it's been a really difficult journey to, to um, discover structure and activate data. Have you found a structured manner in which data can be managed easily for deep AI builds? What, what, what's that structure, what does that structure look like and what does that process look like? Sure. You touch on a key point that is a area of friction with AI projects is everybody has data, um, but it's difficult to get that data in a format that can be used to apply to business intelligence solutions or AI solutions. Um, and so uh, we got into the business intelligence scene uh, a few years prior, and that's where we built up our skills in doing something called ETL or export, transform and load. And uh, so this is the activity where you acquire data from these different data sources, whether that's traditional SQL databases or API endpoints for cloud apps that you use. Uh, and you aggregate all of this data into a data lake or a data warehouse where you can then act upon the data using 
BI tools such as uh, Looker, Power BI, uh, Tableau, those kinds of things, or using uh, traditional AI tools to then build uh, AI models around that data. And uh, one of the struggles with this is that although the SaaS companies give you access to the underlying data, that data doesn't contain the logic of the application. So in a way, you have to reverse engineer the data that you receive from all of these applications to imply some of the logic. And that's part of the ETL process is kind of reverse engineering and implementing uh, some sense of logic to the underlying data and then putting it in, in a uh, arrangement that's suitable for building uh, uh, machine learning models. Great. Um, what would you say to a person who's starting out taking statistics or math in school and saying, you know, I want to be, you know, um, a data, data scientist? How would you get this person started? That is a very good question. Uh, I know uh, one of our data scientists is a math nerd and it shows. Uh, so certainly having uh, those types of math skills and statistics, that is a benefit. I'm not sure it's for everyone, um, but you know there, there are many facets to machine learning. So the areas of, of machine learning where maybe that math is not necessarily important, I think more along the computer vision uh, side of things. Um, but uh, to, to your point, uh, I think if someone is considering a, a career in artificial intelligence and machine learning, um, there are plenty of tools available to be able to experiment on the small scale to find, you know, do you have the aptitude and, and is this really interesting to you if you wanted to pursue it as a, as a career? Absolutely. Um, let's talk a little bit deeper about data because it's such a big um, issue in, you know, um, AI and machine learning. Um, data frequently does not jive, right? So the data frequently conflicts and that's always a a pain, right? How do you deal with um, conflicting data when you, you build models for training? Um, so I guess I'd ask a clarifying question. Can you, uh, can you describe to me an example of a type of conflict that you're referring to? Well, um, you know, it really depends on where the customer comes from, but you know, what if there are disparate data sources and, uh, Two different sources may have the same data, but and the same event that that was fired, but different um, data that was collected, and it somehow conflicts. Uh, what would you do in situations where you need to train your model, and uh, you know you you can't tell exactly which which is the single source of truth? Sure, sure, okay. So yeah, I think you're speaking more to the end-to-end -end process uh, of building a model, and that starts with data exploration, right? First, you have to acquire the data, and you can use an ETL process to, to get that data and put it into a place where you can, you can explore it. Uh, and then you work out those kinds of issues uh, through that exploration and uh, you creating new features out of data. So uh, you might have to pick a single source of truth uh, you determine one is a, is a better source, a more accurate source than the other. Um, you might have to uh, aggregate multiple sources of data into a, a new column of data, a new feature that you need for your uh, machine learning model. And then, you know, of course, 
when you're building uh, new models from scratch, typically, you know, we're all still using Jupyter Notebooks. Uh, so we're doing our, our data exploration, feature engineering. Uh, we're building preliminary models. We're looking at accuracy uh, using things like uh, scoring mechanisms uh, and working out all of those details kind of in a playground before you're actually setting out to build something in production, like a machine learning algorithm that might be hosted in a cloud-hosted machine learning endpoint uh, container and, and so forth. Well, thanks, Chris. Um, so let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk a little bit about the corporate and the business perspective. Now, running a company uh, or an organization is always challenging, you know, from founder to founder. Um, and the biggest um, asset that we all have are our people. Um, but, you know, the same in that same vein, our biggest... Um, our weakest uh, link in an organization can also be the people. So how do you align the people in, in a cloud brigade uh, towards a singular vision? Sure. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, our, our people are obviously our biggest assets. And I think our biggest weakness in companies is the processes, right? Because uh, if you establish uh, trusted and true processes, then your people are able to follow those. Um, to your point about uh, empowering our employees to help move the company forward, you know, we've always been an open book company. That is, that we're transparent about our finances and, and where we're going strategically and tactically. And that comes from a place of, um, you know, you, you can't fix it if you don't know what's broken. And although, you know, many employees are, are happy to, to be followers, you know, we want to inspire them to be leaders. And so by exposing them to these business level concepts that maybe aren't part of their normal day-to-day -day, uh, workflow, uh, I feel that we're empowering them to help to, uh, to push us forward as a team. Sure. So let's shift our view to the future. What's next for Cloud Brigade? What's new? What's exciting? What's um, different? What's... Uh really, really um, interesting that you're working on. Yeah, so um, the thing about AI at this point is, you know, I didn't feel like we were super early. You know, these, these tools have been around for a number of years, but they've just become practical to use, let's say, in the last five years. Part of that is because of the, uh, the computing power and the resources in the cloud that are, are now making it practical to use uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, so. Um, it's nice to be, you know, riding a wave that has not yet crested. And so there seem to be lots of different opportunities. And certainly we're hunting for places where we can add value uh, using the, the tools that we've developed internally. Um, and we're also looking at productizing uh, the work that we've done. So um, while we do build evergreen solutions for our clients, um, we're looking for common themes where a, a problem might uh, apply to multiple companies but we can develop that technology internally and productize it and then provide it to the masses at a much lower cost as opposed to a, a one-off uh, implementation. Great. So we're now winding down to the last uh, part of our uh, podcast. And uh, before we wrap up this session, um, tell us how our listeners will be able to discover more about Cloud Brigade, maybe share a website and email or contact information, or maybe even socials that we can learn more about you. Sure. 
So the best source of information about our company is cloudbrigade.com. And on the resources tab on our website, uh, we do a lot of content generation. So there are video webinars, uh, did a speaking engagement with uh, AWS at reInvent, talking about an AI solution. Um, we love to generate content around the stuff that we're doing in our lab and for our customers. Uh, there are also various uh, YouTube videos available if you just search for Cloud Brigade and your favorite search engine. I'm sure, we'll, we'll turn up on uh, video as well. Absolutely. Well, Chris, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on our first AIP podcast. Uh, we look forward to learning more about you in future podcast episodes. Uh, thanks once again. And this is Anne from Supercharged Lab uh, representing AIP podcast signing off. Thank you. Thanks for having me.